this is the Commonwealth City Church Podcast. Thanks for listening. Commonwealth is a church in Lexington, Kentucky. For more info, visit our website at commonwealthcitychurch.com and follow us on Instagram at comcitychurch. We hope you enjoy the message. Good morning, Commonwealth City. It's always a joy and a delight and a pleasure for me to have the opportunity uh, to stand before you and uh, to divide the, the Word of God and, and expound upon the Word of God in a little feedback. I love, I love when the Lord like stirs my heart in a way that then everything that leading up to the message like aligns, and I feel like He's doing that this morning. Um, and to all the moms out there, I, I'm, my prayer is that today is a day filled with grace and with joy. And I just wanted to take a moment and, and just offer some words of exhortation to the mothers and recognizing that it's a hard, it's a hard job. It's, a, it's hard work being a mother. And it's a task that's given um, to you by God. It's ordained. It's an opportunity that you have. Um, and it comes with very little public accolades or praise. Uh, the work that you do and the influence that you have on your children is unlike anyone else in the world. It's given to you, and it's your unique role and the influence that you have on them. And I know as mothers, many times it's easy to get sucked into the busyness of life, whether that's you know cooking or, or taking care of kids or balancing work and home and so many different aspects of that. And I, I say that not to, to, to place any sort of guilt on you, but just to remind you and to exhort you of this opportunity that you have that God has given you uh, to, to pour into your children. Now, as I, as I prayed this, more, or this week just about, like, Happy Mother's Day. Like, we, we say that, we put happy in front of a lot of salutations. And I felt like the Lord just reminded me that for many of you that's in this room this morning, happy is not the first word that comes to mind, that you're not thinking about this of a, of a, as a happy day. It does not evoke that emotion in you, that for many of you, this is a day of, of pain and sorrow. Either you've lost a mother recently, or maybe, maybe you're a mother that greatly desires and has a yearning to have children and have been unable to, or maybe, maybe you've lost a child, maybe you've lost multiples. And so this is a day of, that just reminds you of your pain. And maybe some of you, you have grown children. Maybe it's this feeling of failure that your grown children are not walking with the Lord, that you see them running away from everything that you've taught them. Or maybe, maybe you're just in a dry season where your children feel like a burden, like you, you've lost your joy in mothering. Maybe, maybe it's, it's this sense of, of failure or this sense of... of, of, of dread and the realization as you look around, you feel like everybody else has it together except you. And I felt like there were two things that the Lord like stirred in me when I had those thoughts of just like all the different emotions that are in this room this morning. And one of those is, is God reminded me of one of his names and it's Elroy, that he is a God who sees, that he sees you where you are. He sees you in, in this pain, in the sorrow, in the hurt, in this difficult situation, that his arm is is not shortened to you by whatever it is that you're going through or whatever it is that you're feeling. And secondly, was come from, from just him stirring my heart this week in a difficult and emotional, challenging week for me in a lot of different ways, 
Um, my scripture reading uh, on Wednesday was Psalm 73, and Paige just prayed that, and we did not coordinate, coordinate that at all. Um, but it, it's, it's, it's a psalm from Asaph, and he, he, is, he sees everything and everybody around him. He's in this midst of, of despair, and he sees the wicked. He sees all these people around him, and they're prospering, and they have, they're, they're wealthy, and they're growing. They have all this pleasure, and he's in despair, and he's hurting, and he's just like overwhelmed with the situation and circumstances that he's in, and he's craving all of these things, and he's, he has his eyes fully set on what's in front of him in his earthly situation. And you get to verse 17, and I love this because he walks into the sanctuary of God. He walks into the, the presence of God, and it's like this switch flips. And it's like it changes everything. It's like God lifts his eyes up, and he gets this heavenly mindset, and he says, now then I discerned their end. And he, he recognizes that it wasn't about what was earthly. It wasn't even necessarily about um, getting to heaven. But it's this realization that, that he says when he looks, I think this is verse 25, when he says he looks on earth and he looks to heaven and he says, my heart, there's nothing else I desire but you. Like, I just want you. Like, you're the end. You're the aim. My strength and my flesh may fail, but you're the strength of my heart and my portion forever. And I, the, the very last verse is like this sigh of satisfaction where he realizes like all of this truth and he just rests in who God is. And he says this simple statement, this is good for me to be near God. It's good for me to be near God. I want to remind you of that. I want to remind all of us of that this morning. It's good to be near God. He changes everything. It changes our perspective it might not change the difficult situation, necessarily even the emotions that you're feeling in that, in that moment. That's why I said I pray that this day is filled with joy and with grace because those are things that He offers through Christ. Those are the things that satisfy, even in the midst of difficulty. And so I pray that God offers you just a double portion of joy this week. If you find yourself in Psalm 73, rest in that and ask the Lord and remind yourself it's good to be near God. It's good to be near God. Let's, let's, I, just, I just want to pray real quick again. Uh, Jesus, I, it's good to be near you. We want to be near you. We want you to come, come close, Lord Jesus. Draw near to us this morning. We seek your presence. I need your help. I need your help in dividing your word and expositing your word. May you come and, and preach a better sermon, Lord. Stir our hearts. We just, we want you. Like, that's our ultimate aim. We agree with Asaph when we say, there's nothing in heaven or earth that we desire besides you. Come make that true. In Jesus' name, amen. So as Kurt said, in, a, in, in just a little while, we're going to invite some families up and they're going to have an, a, an opportunity to stand before God, to stand before this community of faith, to make uh, a commitment to bring their children up in the, in the fear and, and instruction of the Lord. But before, before we do that, and in times past, kind of a very similar, uh, where we walk through Psalm 78. This is, if, if you've been here for many years, this is going to be um, kind of walking back through some of these, these scriptures that lay the groundwork 
for what it is that, that we're commissioning these parents for and ultimately what we're, what we're commissioning us as a church body for. Okay, this is, this is not for you to check out. This is for everybody. This is for us to recognize our calling for the next generation, to raise them up that they not, might not forget the works of the Lord. Now this is, um, next generation ministry has kind of been a passion for me since uh, my first kid was born. He's going to be 13 this year. And I'm like, where on earth did the time go? But I remember it, it, the weight hasn't gone away of this responsibility that he's going to walk out of our, of our home one day. And, and what is it that God has graciously given to me to impart to him? What, what things about God, what, things, what skills in life, what character is God going to allow me to, to, to teach and train in him and in my daughters? And so this weight is real and it's on, it's, it's on us as a community to recognize our calling. And so kind of in, in light of that, I, I wanted to share kind of our city kids, our Com City kids vision, mission statement that kind of is the foundation of the direction of what kind of shapes what we do on Sunday mornings and throughout the week. Um, and specifically like what, what guides our teaching, training, and, and as we pour into families, what that means. And it kind of it kind of flows into that Colossians 128 scripture we covered over a year ago that, that our goal is to present everyone mature in Christ. And that includes especially our children. And so that, that vision, mission statement, several sentences, it goes like this. It says, at Commonwealth City Church, we believe that we have been made sons and daughters of the Most High God, knitted together in the Spirit, united as family through the blood of Jesus Christ. We believe that true joy is found when Jesus is our highest treasure and our heart's delight. As a result of that, therefore, we seek to train and equip the next generation of Christ followers to treasure Him by learning who He is, which is His character and His attributes, how to honor Him in worship, how to obey Him through study, memorization of the Word, and through the power of the Holy Spirit, we seek to nurture the faith of the next generation by equipping the church and the home with resources and training that instruct the mind, engage the heart, and influence the will through the proclamation of the whole counsel of God. Now I know that that sounds lofty, and it's intentionally lofty. It's, it's unattainable apart from the enabling power of the Spirit. And we believe that it's God-sized and, and God-honoring. And so with that in mind, let's, let's, uh, we're, we're going to begin to walk through Psalm 78 <clears throat> with this one quick aside, because I feel like this is important. I want to make a point about um, dedication kind of versus, versus baptism. There are, there are many... Uh, many Reformed denominations that, that actually uh, baptize their infants, and they believe that children are members of a covenant community simply by being born into a believing family, and they, they signify that by sprinkling or baptism. May, maybe some of you have experienced that or seen that. But at Commonwealth City, in this, in this community, we believe that the new covenant community is created by a second birth, not the first birth. And the evidence of this then is faith and repentance and we place a sign on that that we call baptism by immersion and we it signifies those who are born of the spirit as part of a spiritual family and not those who are born in the flesh into a physical family and so we ask that question then how do our children fit fit into this community well we believe that that god has given children 
to our families under our guardianship unto faith. That, that when Christ awakens that in them, that our covenant community, us as a family, acts as a community foster care of sorts uh, on the spiritual level. That it's not just for us as parents, but it's us for a community to recognize our calling to, to raise them up and to nurture faith in them. And so we're going to use Psalm 78 to kind of undergird this. What are those biblical obligations, both of parents and the church family, to be these spiritual guardians of the next generation? So if you have your Bibles, you can look again at Psalm 78. I believe there's one warning that he gives us early on, and then there's kind of six building blocks here of this guardianship. We'll look at one through three. Give ear. Oh, my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears. It's kind of, he's saying it twice. These are kind of two imperatives there. Listen. Incline your ear. These are important. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old. Things that we have heard and known that our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children. I'm going to stop right there. He's saying that we are stewards of the next generation. And I feel like I've read this passage so many times. And I've even preached this passage multiple times. And this time it just, it, I'm like, why does he say there? Why does he say our children? And I realized it's because he sees himself as a steward of the seed from the previous generation, that his own children, he has this, this legacy mindset, this generational mindset. He sees himself as standing between the past generation and the future generation. And he just allow that to sink in. Have you guys ever, ever, ever thought about that? Because I think about my kids as kind of my kids, you know, um, and, and I don't necessarily think about them being like my parents' kids or my great, my grandparents' kids. And maybe, maybe for some of you, as you think about that, you're kind of a first generation believer. Maybe that's not something that, that you were ever taught. So this is an opportunity for you to begin to teach and train and establish that legacy. But we are, we are to be stewards of this next generation. And he reminds us of that, that we do that through God's testimony and through these next verses. And so as, as a result of that, he says, don't, we're not going to hide it then. We're, we're, we're not going to hide these things from them. We're going we're to tell it. He says, so we don't hide them from their children, but tell the coming generation, what are we telling them? The glorious deeds of the Lord, His might, and the wonders that He has done. The word for hide there is, is to conceal or to cut down or to make desolate. It's this idea that that there is a way in which we can live that conceals who God is or that makes Him little, right? When we don't acknowledge the works of God in our lives, when we don't go to Him, when we seek to do things on our own strength, when we don't point out His glory and His majesty and teach His character and make, make Him big and show all the things that He's done, our children do not want to serve a little God. They will not serve a little God. They don't believe that He's powerful enough to influence their lives. And so there is a way in which we live that that can cut off, that can conceal, that can hide. And he says their forefathers did that. He spends the whole rest of Psalm 78 going back through all of the glorious deeds of the Lord, the testimony that He established in Israel that He talks about in verse 5. And he, he unpacks all the things. He recounts everything. And every, periodically he's like, this is what God did, but this is what the generation did. This is what our fathers did. They forgot. They didn't obey. They forgot. We're not going to forget. Commonwealth City Church, families, we're not going to forget. 
We want to be diligent to teach and to train, to tell, to not hide. And so how do we do that? Let's look at these things. The first one in verse 4. We already said to tell the coming generation. We're telling them glorious deeds of the Lord, His might, His wonder. Okay, God, the first thing is that God is, is, the, is central. He's, he's the, the epicenter. He is the things that all, all things are to be built around and on. That's what we're to tell the next generation about. We're to, we're to make much of Him. As I said, we're not to make Him small, but to make much of Him. That He's slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. That that when our children catch a glimpse of the glorious God, one, it, 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 it helps them see how far separated they are from Him and how much they need Him. It allows them to see their sin. It allows us to see our sin. And it also sees this beautiful divide that, that Christ has come across with, with the cross and, des- and, and resurrection from the dead. It's a glorious divide that He has bridged for us. So if there is one thing that our children should remember when they think back to our families and to our church, it's that God was big. He was supreme. He was holy and powerful. That they can recount not just the wondrous deeds of God in His Word, but the wondrous deeds that He's done in your family. May we give Him credit where it's due for all the things that He does. He must be central. The second thing, if these are concentric circles, so to speak, is, is God's Word. And those go together. Okay, He says, what are they teaching? He says He's established a testimony in Jacob. And He's appointed a law in Israel. The law, it's, it's the Torah, right? It means teaching. It's the things that God has, has outlined in the Scriptures, in His, in His Word. And so God and His Word are inseparable. They are to be central to our lives. And that means that we don't equate the Bible with with other books, it is, it is held above. It is the lens with which we view everything else. And we go to it and we run to it and we search it through prayer for answers for our situations and our circumstances. The third one, at the end of verse 5, let's look at this. He established a testimony in Jacob, appointed a law in Israel which he commanded our fathers to teach to their children. So we're to, we're to teach it. It's not simply enough for us to um, uh, send our, our, our kids to, to children's church, to go to Sunday school, to, to, to hear his teaching one hour, two hours a week, but they must be saturated in it. They must see it lived out day to day to day. And that's, that's, that flows from Deuteronomy 6. It's, it's the Shema that the, the people of Israel would, would recite and it's where they, they say, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is one, the Lord our God. We want to love Him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And Moses said, those words are to be on your heart. And you get to teach them as you, you lie down and you rise up, you go along the way. And when you're eating, all of those times are opportunities to teach and cultivate that we're God-centered, that His Word is important. J.C. Ryle in his book, The Duties of Parents, he, he says that fathers and mothers do not forget that children learn more by the eye than they do by the ear. What they see has a much stronger effect on their minds than what they're told. Think not your children will practice what they do not see you do. 
Because our, our example, the way that we live out the scriptures is, is preaching a, a greater sermon than our words. The words are necessary, but our lives are what, what, what support what it is that we're teaching. And if, we, if, if they don't align, then our, our children are going to think that, it, that we're liars, that God's word isn't true, that it, it doesn't change. This takes intentionality, it takes effort, it takes planning for us to, to, to lay aside a, or lay out a plan. And the reality is, if you choose to do this, you're going to be swimming upstream. You guys have seen the intro to The Chosen. You know, you have all the fish going one way and one's one color and it's going the other way. And that's what I think of when I, when I think about that. And, and, and the reality is that's so true. Our culture is going, you know, 90 miles an hour in one direction and we are constantly swimming against the tide. That's, that's what God is calling us to. That's what it means to, 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 to be holy as God is holy. We must be different. So the, the fourth thing, <clears throat> let's look at verse 6. They teach to their children that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children. <clears throat> so the fourth thing is that so they'll know it. And this isn't, this isn't just a, a head knowledge. It seems the same as, as kind of teaching, so to speak. But this is, this is an experiential knowledge. This is, we want them to experience God Almighty. We want them to have that internal experience, experiential knowledge. And it, all, of, all of the teaching and all of the making much of God, memorizing God's Word, all of that does give a biblical awareness and it lays a foundation for this. But it's also this realization that even though we foster these environments, it's important for our kids to, to have opportunities to experience God. It's a reminder that we are in desperate need of the Holy Spirit. We are in desperate need for Him to come and do the work. As a parent, it's hard for me sometimes to, to recognize I can't save my kids. When, and that's a, a beautiful reality because I, I, I don't want that responsibility either. But the realization is I am fully dependent on God. On behalf of all these kids in here, we are utterly dependent on Him to stir and move and awaken faith, a persevering faith in them. And so our goal is, is this experiential knowledge that causes them to see and savor and treasure Christ that propels them into these next two things from verse 7. So that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God but keep His commandments. So hope in God and then this life of, of obedience. So we make God and His Word central. We teach it diligently so they'll experience His fullness. Why? So we want them to hope in God. We want them to have a confidence in God. We want them to live a life of holiness and obedience that, that brings His kingdom everywhere they walk. This is the ultimate aim of all of our education, that our children wouldn't trust in their own abilities, that they would not be filled with pride and arrogance, but in all their ways they would acknowledge God and allow Him to direct their paths. And if we want our kids to learn that, we must depend on God. They need to see us and hear us earnestly calling out to Him on their behalf, 
in our, in our times of need. They don't see us grit our teeth and say, we're just going to push through. It's, guys, let's pray. We need God. We need God. It's good to be near God. And then this life of obedience. He says, but keep his commandments. There's so many children that grow up in church and walk away from the faith. That was honestly me for the better part of my college years. My heart was far from him. I, I checked a lot of the boxes I wanted to. I would go to church occasionally to kind of make myself feel better. But I feel like this is, it's, it's just becoming synonymous with our younger generation of people walking away from, from God and walking away from his, his truth. So we want to instill this in our kids. We want a confidence in him that's rooted in this faithful teaching the truth of who God is and what His Word says. We, we don't want self-sufficient, self-confident kids, but we, we want God-sufficient, God-confident warriors firmly planted on the solid rock of Christ. So our, our, our desire is that when our children walk confidently in obedience to these truths of God, His love, His justice, and His beauty, and His worth shine like beacons in the world, that they're drawn to Christ. And our aim is Habakkuk 2.14, that we want to be families that fill the earth with the knowledge of the glory of God like the waters cover the sea. That's our ultimate aim.